0: This is the Relic Radio Show, old-time radio entertainment still standing the test of time, from RelicRadio.com. This week on The Relic Radio Show, our hour of radio drama begins with Have Gun Will Travel. We'll hear the statue of San Sebastian from May 10th, 1959. Our second story is from the Damon Runyon Theater. We'll hear their broadcast from February 20th, 1949, titled A Piece of Pie.
1: One of the largest ranches in California, most cattle, the best land, and the toughest riders. But I'll tell you something, Mr. Crown. The little mission of San Sebastian is going to defeat you.
2: Have gun, will travel. Starring Mr. John Daner as Paladin. San Francisco, 1875. The Carlton Hotel. Headquarters of a man called Paladin.
3: Ah, oh, Mr. Paladin.
1: mm Mmm. Mmm. Good morning, hey, boy.
3: Oh, hope I don't spoil breakfast, Punky. Mm, no, no. Telegram came for you just now.
1: Mm, thank you.
3: Uh eat breakfast in dining room most unusual for you. A uh, rare occasion?
1: Hey, boy. Who's that young lady? Over there, sitting alone at the table next to the window.
3: Oh, oh, oh. Ah, that young lady checked in two days ago. Sweet, uh 212. Alone? Alone. Mm. Charming. Charming. Well, Isa, are you up on telegram?
1: Ooh, yes. Oh, yes. Hey, boy. Why don't you ask the young lady if I might join her for a cup of coffee? She must be lonely.
3: Oh, it's so early in the morning. You. Oh, Isa. Oh, oh why? Well, rush telegram? What happened? Make social engagement.
1: Oh, w- wait a minute, hey, boy.
3: Oh, now what happened?
1: I've changed my mind. This telegram's from Mr. Ian Crown in San Sebastian, California. He offers a rather large sum of money. Would you send him a wire, please? Have a gone. we'll travel. Yes. I'll be leaving on the next stage. What about poor, charming, lonely young lady? <laughs> I'll have to wait until I return. Unfortunately, business comes first. <laughs>
4: This is Frank Knight speaking for the world's most honored watch, Longines. In the conquest of the Old West, men won fame through feats of bravery and daring. Today, things are different, but fame can still be won. How wonderful to win a Nobel Prize in science, a Pulitzer Award in literature, and Olympic gold medal in sports. These great honors are symbols of achievement. In the field of time, did you know that Longines watches have won more great public honors than than any other watch in the world. This is true. The highest authorities have ranked Longines watches as the finest achievement in the science and art of watchmaking. Yet, the Longines, the world's most honored watch, styled with distinction, cased in precious metal, promising a lifetime of faultless timekeeping, is not costly. Many models are priced as low as $75. Visit your authorized Longines Whitmer jeweler. He will be honored to serve you.
1: The stage ride down the Camino Real brought me at last to San Sebastian, one of the mission towns established a hundred years ago by the followers of Junipero Serra. I knew this country well, its low green valleys and crisp ocean air. I did not know Ian Crown. I inquired at the stage office. Yes, sir.
5: What can I do for you? How far is it to the Crown Ranch? Ian Crown's place? Yes. A little past a mile, southeast of here. Head right on out the main road, then take the fork to the left just before you get to the mission. Any place I can rent a horse around here? Well, livery stable just across the street, mister. Can't miss it. It's only building on that side. Thanks. Señor? Yes?
6: Would you give something for the mission?
1: Something for the mission?
6: Please, you give money. A donation. See, sí, please, a donation. Well,
1: I think we can manage that. I should have a dollar in my wallet.
6: Oh, senor, you are very rich. So much money.
1: Ah, uh, see now. Yeah, here we are. Yeah. Hey, hey, come back here. Oh, you little thief. happened, mister? Well, a boy stole my wallet. Pedro? You know him? Yeah, that was Pedro from the mission. He asked me for a donation, and when I offered him a dollar, he grabbed my wallet and ran off. That doesn't seem like Pedro. He's a good boy. He's got a good wallet. Did you say he's from the mission? That's right. He lives there. I hadn't planned on it, but I think I'll pay this mission a visit. I figured that if Crown had waited for me to travel all the way from San Francisco, a few more hours delay wouldn't hurt, and I wanted my wallet back. It wasn't bulging with money, but there were papers I couldn't replace. At the mission of San Sebastian, a Franciscan monk met me, introducing himself as Father Bartolome. As he walked through the cool, flower-filled courtyard of the lovely old mission, I told the priest about Pedro and what had happened. He invited me to his study.
3: Won't you be seated, Senor Paladin? Thank you. I'm so very sorry about all this. How much money did you have in your wallet?
1: Well, $22 in cash. There was also a banknote for $50. Oh.
3: I have exactly $22 on my desk. They're undoubtedly yours. Pedro brought it to me less than 30 minutes ago. He was somewhat out of breath and quite nervous. Your story explains his actions. Here you are, Senor Paladin.
1: Thank you, Father. I don't suppose he said anything about the wallet. No, Senor. Do you think he still hasn't?
3: Perhaps he can answer that question himself. Will you excuse me, Senor Paladin? Pedro. Si, sí, Padre. Would you come in here, please? Hey, Pedro, you know why this man is here. Si, sí, Padre. Is it not true that you took his wallet and ran away? See, he... yes. That was very really wrong, Pedro. Si, hey, Padre. Oh. Why would you do this?
6: I'm sorry, Padre. But there was so much money. I I, I had to take it for San Sebastian. It, it was wrong, Padre. I, I, I know it was wrong. Eh,
3: hey, uh, Where is the wallet now, my son?
6: In the stable.
3: Please get it and bring it back to this room.
1: Hey, oh, Father, I'm sorry this has happened. I hope you won't find it necessary to be too severe with the boy. <laughs> More, senor. He has learned his lesson already. Well, why does Pedro beg for donations for this mission? It's by far the best preserved and the most beautiful of all the missions I've seen. Oh, well, he, si, senor. San Sebastián is a diamond of all missions. Thanks to senor Crown. Ian Crown? Si. No, we haven't met, but I was on my way to his ranch when this happened. But what is his connection with this mission? Well, Senor, several years ago before California became a part of the United States,
3: the Mexican government sold the missions to raise defense funds for their treasury. It was then that Senor Crown became the owner of San Sebastian. You mean Crown bought
1: the mission from the Mexican government?
3: See, si, Senor. Uh huh. Well most of the others wasted to ruins? This mission prospered under the skilled management of Senor Crown, but then when President Lincoln signed the bill giving the missions back to the church, Senor Crown was forced to relinquish this mission and the land around it. He was paid for the land, wasn't he? Oh, si, Senor. But he was not in sympathy with the price. To compensate for the additional payment he felt was due to him, he took the statue of our patron saint, San Sebastian, from its rightful place in this mission. He is now in his home and he refuses to return it to us. Do
1: you think he'll ever give the statue back to the mission? No, senor. Not unless we pay him for it. How much does he want? Two thousand dollars. An impossible sum.
3: It would take many years to accumulate that much money.
1: And that's why Pedro begs for donations.
3: <laughs> Our people are most anxious to have his statue returned. Well, should, How much money have you collected, Father? Senor Paladin, this is not a rich parish. In 10 years, we have secured only $935. Come in.
6: I have brought the wallet, Padre.
3: Bueno. Give it to Senor Paladin.
6: Senor.
3: Thank you, Pedro.
6: I'm sorry, Senor. Please forgive me.
3: Senor Paladin, please check your wallet for the banknote you mentioned.
1: And it's here, Father. Everything here. Pedro. Si, senor. At the stage office, I was going to give you a donation. You remember? Si. Would you accept this $5 gold piece for the statue of San Sebastian?
6: Oh, si, senor. Gracias. Gracias.
7: drop-in, let your hospitality show you're sociable in the modern manner. Pepsi, you know, is the favorite of the smart and young at heart.
2: tried a Pepsi lately.
1: The green rolling acres that surrounded the Crown Ranch were covered with giant oaks and thousands of black Angus cattle. And a mile beyond the main gate, on a tree-studded knoll, sat the house of Ian Crown, imposing, rich, almost futile. From my talk with Father Bartolome, I had pictured Crown as the typical elderly, austere rancher. Instead, I found a cordial man who was having more than a share of trouble with an outlaw, Sancho
5: Fernandez. You know, during the last three months, he's robbed two of my payroll shipments. He's run off near 300 head of prime beef. Now, he's got to be stopped, Paladin. I'm depending on you to bring him in.
1: I've never heard this Fernandez before. Does he confine his activities to this part of the country? <laughs> Strictly to my range. To your range? Yeah. Hasn't he been plaguing the other ranchers? No,
5: no just me. Huh. Why has he singled you out? Well, his brother used to work for me. He was killed in an accident during a cattle drive. Fernandez thinks I'm responsible. Well, I'm not. The man was thrown from his saddle. It was an accident. I see. Hey, let me fill your glass. Huh? Oh, yes. Thank you very
1: much. That's excellent wine.
5: Yeah, thank you. We make it ourselves. Grapes come from my own vineyard. You must be proud of this rash, Mr. Crown. It's one of the finest spreads I've seen. It's yeah. taken a lot of years, a lot of hard work to make it what it is. I'm not going to let an old renegade like Fernandez start nipping away at it. Well, what do you say, Paladin? I say yes, Mr. Crown. I'll take the job. For the $1,000? Right. Well, that's good. that's good. All right. What are your plans?
1: I don't know yet. It'll take me a few days to learn what I need. Oh, of course. This statue, Mr. Crown. I've been admiring it.
5: Well, that's San Sebastian, Mr. Callum. It's beautiful, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I was talking to Father Bartolome at the mission
5: this afternoon. Oh, I see. Suppose he told you what a he and I am because I won't give him back this statue.
1: <laughs> we didn't discuss your personal faith. I give fate.
5: that statue back when I get the money. Man. Mr. Crown. Oh, what is it, Carl? Fernandez. He stopped the stage and took the payroll. Oh. Anybody hurt? No, he made us get out of the stage, took the money from me, and then stampeded the horses. And that's the third time. Ty- oh, Paladin, this is my foreman, Carl Stocker. How do you do? How are you? Carl, he was bringing the payroll money from the bank in Coldwater. Where did it happen? About three miles before we got into San Sebastian. We had a walk into town. And he's
1: had plenty mm-hmm. of time to hide out. To crown, you'll be needing more money from the bank to meet the payroll. That's right. I'll go up to Coldwater tomorrow and bring it back. Now you let everybody know I'll be returning alone, on horseback. <laughs> I had concealed the payroll money under my shirt and was on the trail back from Coldwater. A mile out of San Sebastian, there was still no sign of Sancho Fernandez, but it didn't disappoint me.
8: Stop,
6: Senor! My rifle is pointed directly between your shoulders. It would be a mistake to turn around.
3: I believe you.
6: Now drop your gun belt to the ground. Now dismount and stand with your back to me. You have some money for Senor Crown. What is it?
1: You're well informed.
6: Money. Where is it? In My shirt. With a gun, now that. Do not move. Turn around. There's nothing. You'll drop the money to the ground. Careful. Now you may turn around and take a few steps away. That will be far enough. Now you will not be needing your horse. Now just stand steady, senor. It's not too long a walk to the rancho. Give my regards to Senor Crown.
1: Sancho! There's a derringer pointing at your back.
8: Oh, nice Drop guy. your rifle.
1: You won't get far with a hole in your back, Senor Fernandez. A bunch of the boys
2: are whooping it up every weekday on CBS Radio. Variety spices the airwaves with fun every time CBS Radio turns them loose. The boys are Pat Butram, Art Linkletter, and Galen and Drake. Here's a threesome that's really awesome for its total output of sheer pleasure. The remarkable wit of Butram, Linkletter's unending imagination in creating stunts and surprises, Galen Drake's way with words and stories. Put them all together and you have a distinctly flavored different sound. Only a network could assemble for your weekday pleasure. And only the CBS radio network does. Listen in daily or as often as you like. With these boys whooping it up as you move about the house, one thing that's out the window with the dust is boredom. The Gale and Drake Show, Art Linkletter's house parties from Hollywood, and Pat Buttram's Just Entertainment. One at a time or all together, they're good, clean fun in every weather. Try them often.
1: Sancho left an easy trail to follow through the yellow wheat fields. He had managed to stay on his horse, but he had lost a lot of blood along the way. His trail led to the mission of San Sebastian. (laughs)
3: San Sebastian.
1: Your paladin? The Padres told me Fernandez was here.
3: Really?
1: He is dead. Let us go to my study. Why do you ask for Sancho Fernandez? Uh, in Crown hired me to bring him in. Uh,
3: are you responsible, for this?
1: We had a gunfight a mile or so out of town. He robbed me of some money I was delivering to Crown. I followed him here.
3: He was almost dead when he arrived. He asked for sanctuary.
1: Did he have the money on him?
3: Oh, si, senor. He told me that he wanted to donate it for the statue of San Sebastian.
1: But that money belongs to Crown.
3: I suspected that for... We are aware of Sancho's hatred for Senor Crown. I sent Pedro to the ranch to bring Senor Crown here.
1: Father, I just want you to know that it was unavoidable. Under the circumstances, I had to shoot Sancho. I oh,
3: senor. It was bound to happen. Sancho had been misguided since the death of his brother.
5: Senor Crown. Oh. Coming. Hello, father. Ah, oh. Saladin, well, I didn't know you were here. Uh, Pedro told me Sancho was wounded. Where is he? He's dead. He... How'd it
1: happen? Gunfight. He ambushed me on the trail back a ways. Ran my horse off and took the money. Exchange exchanged shots. His horse brought him
5: here.
1: your well, Crown, I believe this belongs to you. That's
5: the payroll money, Crown. Yeah. Well, thank you, father. Sorry you had to get mixed up in my private affairs. uh, going going back to the ranch, paladin.
1: No, I think I'll stay here, Mr. Crown. I want to take the next stage back to San well, Francisco. Well, we've got a little business to finish up. Yeah, I know. You owe me a check for $1,000. That's right. Well, I want you to turn my fee over to the mission. To what? And Father Bartolome, you told me you had $985 in the savings fund for the statue. Well, Northern Europe, there are
3: $990. You gave payroll $5. Remember? Uh,
1: I remember. Well, here. I'd also like to donate this $10. This should bring your savings to an even thousand. Give it to Mister
5: Crown. Oh, what are you doing, fellow? The thousand
1: dollars father has accumulated these past ten years, along with my fee, it totals two thousand dollars, Mister Crown. You should be able to return the statue of San Sebastian to the mission in time for mass this Sunday.
2: youths are flabby, out of condition physically and mentally. That's a strong statement, isn't it? But an organization called the President's Council on Youth Fitness, brought into being in 1956, was created because of evidence indicating that in this era of technology and science, the fitness of our young men and women has become a matter of increasing concern. This week, Youth Fitness Week, emphasizes that human resiliency springs from mental, emotional and spiritual as well as physical elements. We should, all of us, take a close look at our community to make sure it is providing youth with the social, educational, and athletic facilities they need to develop into strong, full-rounded individuals. The mental aspect of fitness requires a sound, solid education. If you're a parent of teenagers, be sure they remain in high school through their senior year. If you're a high school student, remember that diploma is much more than just a piece of paper. Stay in school and graduate. Will Travel. Created by Herb Meadow and Sam Rolf, is produced and directed by Norman McDonald and stars John Daner as Paladin with Ben Wright as Hayboy. Tonight's story was written by Albert Alley and adapted for radio by Frank Michael. Featured in the cast were Lawrence Dobkin, Don Diamond, James Nusser, Richard Beals, and Perry Cook. Hugh Douglas speaking.
7: Damon Runyon Theater. Once again, the Damon Runyon Theater brings you another story by the master storyteller, Damon Runyon, and this one, A Piece of Pie. And to tell it to you, here is Broadway.
9: Thanks. Well, it is during the race meeting at Suffolk Downs, and I am there with Harry the Horse. We do ourselves a little good, in fact, more than a little good, and I am feeling fine. When into our hotel room comes Harry and says...
10: Broadway, are you here? Where else would I be, Harry? What is the matter? I just put us in the way of winning an even ten grand. Huh? But what is the name of the horse? It is no horse, it is a human being. What?
9: Harry, who enters a person in the races?
10: You do not understand. This is a sure thing.
9: Harry, where is the money we win on the Gigi's? I
10: put it up as a forfeit for our
9: man to appear. Appear? Appear where? Doing what? Harry, do not stand there just looking at me. Speak to me. Where is our scratch?
10: Broadway, do not worry. It is as good as wheat in the bin. Now sit down and I will tell you what happens.
9: So Harry the horse makes me sit down and tells me what happens. And what it is and what happens later, I will tell you in a minute.
7: And now, back to the Damon Runyon Theater and the famous story, A Piece of Pie. Well, like I say,
9: Harry makes me sit down and he starts to tell me what he is talking about.
10: I am having lunch, Broadway. Lobster. Broiled lobster at that little place where a broiled lobster is very good.
9: You know, the place you like. Harry, get off the lobster and come to the point. I ask you again before I cook you, where is our money?
10: That is what I am trying to tell you. You will not let me proceed. I will give you ten seconds, of which nine and a half are gone. Take it easy. Well, like I say, I am eating the broiled lobster when I overhear a conversation going on at the next table. Now, ordinarily and usually, I do not listen. I do not approve of eavesdropping. Do you? I approve of murder. I have a victim. Who? Where is the scratch? Oh. Oh, well, I hear one character say that he knows somebody who is able to out-eat anybody else in the world. Now, I know that this is a foolish thing to say because, well, who do we know that is the greatest eater in the world? Huh? Why, Nicely, Nicely Jones. Well, I put up our money to ensure that Nicely, Nicely Jones will appear against their man who is named Joe Duffel. I wish to get this straight.
9: You put up our money. All the tar I have in the world that Nicely Nicely Jones will go into an eating
10: contest against this Joe Duffel? You catch the idea, Broadway.
9: But, but what if Nicely
10: Nicely does not? <laughs> <laughs> do you ever know him to pass up a meal? No. And do you ever know anyone who was able even to get near him and eating? No, I do not. Okay. So our money rests now with a broker. And our opponents put up a like amount that Joe Duffel will appear.
9: But you say something about ten grand.
10: Ah. Uh, We go back to New York, Broadway, and we get certain citizens to put up dough. We take a certain percentage of their winnings for putting them onto a good thing. Mm. Well, are you sure these certain parties will go for this? Broadway, who does not go for a sure thing? Nobody. Then let us proceed back to New York and make arrangements.
9: Well, we do so, and arrangements are made bets are put up with a party who takes care of such things. The bets are heavy because it turns out that Joe Duffold's backers are very wealthy citizens of Boston Mass, while Nicely Nicely's backers are such characters as uh, Dave the Dude, Little Mitzi, Angie the Ox, Milkier Willie, and etc. This makes me more than somewhat nervous because if anything happens to cause these here parties to be separated from their tour, they are going to hold
10: me and Harry strictly accountable. But Harry is not worried because as he says in Mindy's, it is a short thing, Broadway. We stand to collect maybe three grand apiece. Not as good as a voice figure, but uh, all right.
9: Uh-oh. Here comes little Mitzi.
10: You worry too much. You will ruin your health. I would rather do it myself than leave it to little Mitzi. Shh. Do not look worried. Appear nonchalant. Hello, Broadway. Harry. Hello, little Mitzi.
11: Uh, sit down, Mitzi. Thanks, I will. Because I have a little thing to discuss with you two. Certainly, certainly. You wish to put up more potatoes on the eating contest. I am already in tight for five grand. Today I have a bad day, and the five grand is my total capital.
10: You have got no worries, Mitzi. Uh, Has he, Broadway?
11: If he does not, I will share mine. Look, I discussed this with Dave the Dude, Angie the Ox, and Milk Willie. What am I eating? Huh? Nothing, nothing. Oh. Well... We are willing to better, nicely, nicely. We think he is a sure thing. That he is, that he is. But we do a little thinking and we come to a conclusion. Which is? Where is he? Where is who? Nicely, nicely. In New York, is he not? Do you see him lately, Broadway? I, no. Harry? Uh, come to think of it, uh, no, but uh, I am sure he is alive. Then the thing to do is make sure you two stay the same. Hmm? Huh? What do you mean, Mitzi? Where is Nicely, Nicely? He is our entry and we do not want him scratched. Find him. You will, Mitzi... Find him or another (laughs) world in which to live. I will keep in touch with you. Often. Oh,
9: Harry, where is Nicely, Nicely? Now that I think about it, I do not remember seeing him for weeks. Come on, we have got to find him. We sure do. And while we look for him, we will pick up some timetables of ocean liners and airplanes, in case. So we start the hunt for Nicely Nicely. We will know him if we see him, because he is about 5'5 and weighs in at close to 300. He is a horse player by trade, but eating is his hobby. But no one remembers seeing him lately. Then we get a lead, and we go to a place on Long Island and knock at a door. It is open... Not by Nicely, Nicely, but by a tall, thin Judy. She is without doubt beautiful, but so skinny that Harry walks right into her before he sees her. She looks at us and says... What do you want?
10: Uh, Excuse us, miss, but we are told we can find Nicely, Nicely here.
12: Who? Nicely, Nicely Joan. No. Oh, you must mean Quentin. Who? Quentin, Quentin Jones. The last name is correct, but the first one is an insult. Will you please tell me what you want? Can we see not... uh,
10: Mr. Jones. Why?
9: It is very important. About what? Is he here? Who are you? Look, miss, it is urgent that we get in touch with our friend. Now.
13: Hilda. Hilda.
12: What is it, Quentin? Who's there? I don't know.
10: That is not Nicely's voice. No, it is not. It is too weak. Then you've probably got the wrong Jones. Yeah, I guess so. Let us go, Broadway.
13: Hilda, who is it? What's the matter? It's
12: nothing, Quentin. These men have the wrong address.
13: Broadway. Harry. Oh, my friends. Come in, come in. Quentin. Do you know these men? They're my friends. They. Broadway. Harry. Why are you looking at me like that? You. you are a faker. You are not nicely nicely. But I am. Look at me real good. Oh, where am I? Nicely. Where does all of you go to? What
9: happens to you nicely?
12: Now, look here, you two. If you have business with Quentin, very well. If you don't, please leave.
13: Nicely, we have got to see you. Uh, Hilda, baby, these are of my old friends. I wish to talk to them.
12: Oh, well, all right, but remember what I said.
13: Yes, Hilda.
12: If you do anything I don't like. It's all off.
13: Yes, baby.
12: I'm going shopping. I'll be back in half an hour. And remember,
13: Quentin... I will never forget. Ah, she is beautiful. Mm, she
9: is. But nicely, what is the matter with you?
13: We, uh... We'd better sit down. At least I better. Ah, I cannot stand up for long. You are sick? Oh, no, no. I am real healthy. Healthy? Healthy? Look at your pants. They are wrapped twice around your waist. Uh Uh-huh. I lose some weight.
10: Some? You have got enough space between your waistband and your waist to tuck away your
13: racehorse. Those are the conditions Hilda gives me. Conditions? Hilda? Nicely, what are you talking about? She is my fiancée. I love her. She loves me. She... Nicely. You mean she makes you lose weight? When I am down to 200, we're going to get married. You mean you are not eating? Nothing with starch in it. Why have all the good things to eat got starch in them? Nicely. Think of your health. Hilda says I'm very healthy this way. How do you feel? Very healthy. If Hilda says so, I am. This is impossible. Look at you. How do you get mixed up with this doll? Love at first sight. We meet in the subway. I am wedged in a turnstile and she pushes me through. Harry, let us say goodbye to New York. Let us
9: say goodbye to everything.
10: Nicely, listen to us for a minute, will you?
9: Sure, but do not ask me to stand up. So, we tell Nicely Nicely what is the score. When we talk about eating, his eyes
13: shine like six bits. But then he becomes very sad again and says as follows. I am very sorry, boys, but Hilda will never hear of it. She will break our engagement if I so much as touch a grape. (sighs) Broadway, do you ever eat nothing but toasted whole wheat for a whole month? No,
9: what I eat is nice white French bread, corn muffins, and hot
10: biscuits with
13: gravy on them. You are eating yourself into an early grave, and furthermore, you are breaking my heart.
10: Look nicely. Maybe if we talk to Hilda, there might be an outside chance she will let you save our lives.
13: You can talk to her, but I promise nothing. I Quentin? In here, baby, in here.
12: Oh,
13: what did you eat? Not a crumb, did I, boys? Not the crumb.
12: Good. I'm going to fix your dinner in a minute.
13: What are you going to fix?
12: Because you've been such a good boy. A treat.
13: What? What is it, Hilda?
12: Wheat, germ, and carrot juice.
13: I can hardly wait.
12: You'll like it, I'm sure. She
10: is conspiring against your life.
9: Nicely, you have got to get out of here before you have to use nails to hold your pants on. I am in love with her.
13: That is your final word?
9: It is hers. I see. And I know there is no use talking to her.
13: No, I guess not. You will not do it for us, your friends. I have to think of my health and my future. Nicely,
9: I have got news for you. Your future is as dark as ours. Goodbye. And that is that. It looks like I and Harry the horse are done for. We know that it is useless to argue with the guy in love. We leave nicely and start back to town, figuring that when it gets dark, we can grab anything that moves fast enough to get us far, far away. Then something happens that gives us hope. And what that is, I will tell you in a minute.
7: And now, back to the Damon Runyon Theater and the famous story, A Piece of Pie.
9: Like I say, Harry and me are wondering where to go. We say nothing to anybody about Nicely Nicely because we have got to have time. Then Harry goes to Belmont Park, and later he shows up in my hotel room.
10: Broadway, Broadway, you know Did, what?
9: Harry, do not jump in like that, especially not at a time like this.
10: Broadway, today we get a break it.
9: What are you doing? Hacking, what else? You do not have to. Sit down and listen to me. Yeah, I do that once before, and I am now cemetery bait.
10: No! I go to the track today and I give a tip to a character named McBurgle. You are feverish. There is nobody named it. And if there is, what good is he to us? He is the employer of Miss Hilda Slocum, whom you will recall as nicely, nicely's fiancee. Nothing makes sense anymore. Listen to me, will you? I give a tip to this McBurgle. He is very happy because he win a wad of potatoes. Then I find out he is editor of a magazine called Let's Keep House. Harry, I have just got time to pack another handkerchief
9: and catch a train. Goodbye. Stay here and die by yourself.
10: Will you sit down and listen? Broadway. McBurgle is going to talk to Hilda Slocum. He is going to try to persuade her to let us have Nicely Nicely. Oh? How does he think he is going to do that? I do not know, but we are going to see Nicely Nicely and Hilda now. You want us to go outside? It is dangerous out there. This is our only chance. Let us go. I hope we will get pretty
9: flowers.
12: To, I know why you're here. I don't know what influence you have with my editor. I don't even know how you managed to meet him, and I don't want to know. But I can tell you one thing. Which is? That even if it costs me my job, I will not permit Quentin to enter that stupid, absurd, ridiculous, and sickening eating contest. Look, Miss... You listen to me, Mr. Horse. The name is Harry. I don't care what it is. And you, Mr. Broadway, you listen to me, too. I'll not stand by and see Quentin's health ruined by the greediness and mercenary objectives of his so-called friends.
13: Oh, that does it. See, boys? And Quentin, if you
12: love me and want to marry me, do you? Yes, Hilda Baby. Then you won't even consider what they're asking.
9: Look, Miss Slocum, there is at stake not only money, but the health of two other people,
12: namely Harry and me. So I was given to understand. All right, because my editor, Mr. McBurgle, asked me, I'll help you. I eat... Boys, I eat... You do not. But you say... I said I'd help. Not let you have Quentin. You can have a friend of mine, Violet Schumberger. Who? Who? Violet Schumberger, a very dear friend.
13: Hey, I know her, boys. She is no sullen plater, but a real entry. But she is not you, nicely.
12: You can have Violet or no one.
13: But, uh, can she
12: eat? I've been trying for ten years to put her on a diet. It's only because she's such a dear friend that I put up with her her appetite.
13: Boys, next to me, this doll Violet is easy one-two in any race where eating is concerned. Yeah, but, but, but how will we explain the, 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 the switch to Little Mitzi and the others? Broadway,
9: it
12: looks
10: like we will have to. Uh, Miss Slocum, when can we see your friend?
12: I'll bring her to see you. When? Tomorrow. All right.
10: Tomorrow at noon at Mindy's.
12: <music>
11: Ways. the rest of the boys are very angry that you do this to us. But we tell you, Mitzi, it is not our fault. Can we help it if Nicely Nicely falls in love and gives up eating because of it? This Violet Shambiker doll better be good. She better be good. Hey, it is almost noon. Yeah, There they are. Uh, is that the doll? It must be. I never see such a large doll. She has got a face like a town clock. My goodness, she is quite large. Boys, maybe you save yourself a lot of trouble. But the question is, can she eat? And there is nicely, nicely, and his fiancé. I never see such a large doll. Look, she's coming in sideways. Shh. Be nice to her.
12: Hello, boys.
11: Hello, Hello nicely.
12: Gentlemen, this is Violet Schumberger. Uh,
9: how do you do? It is a pleasure.
8: Hello.
10: Hello, yourselves. Well, when do we start eating? Violet. Ah, Don't be so stuffy, Hilda. Hmm, smells good in here. I think I'll have lunch. You just did, 20 minutes ago. Lunch! She calls roast chicken, gravy, biscuits, honey mashed potatoes, and pie a lunch. (laughs) Well, who wants to see me?
11: Who can that? Uh, miss, you know why you are here?
5: Sure do, big boy.
11: (laughs) (laughs) Miss... Do not hit me like that again.
5: Can't take it, eh?
10: <laughs> well, let's get started.
9: And Miss Violet Schumberger eats for us. Two hours later, even little Mitzi is convinced that we have a good entry, especially when Miss Hilda Slocum agrees to let Nicely, Nicely coach Violet for the contest. Then comes the day of the contest, which takes place in a private room in Minnie's. Everybody concerned is there, including two judges called in from Newbrook Country. Harry DeHorse and me are very neighbors again, because when we see Joe Duffel, who is our opponent, Harry says to me... Broadway, he looks like a pretty fair eater. Yeah, he is lean and tall. He will be dangerous. And I do not
14: like the way little Mitzi is looking at us. All right, everyone, all right, let's have your attention. As one of the judges, I must call your attention to the rules of this contest. Oh, attention, please, attention. Now, here are the rules. <clears throat> The two contestants must eat with knife and fork or spoon. Speed will not count, only the amount of food consumed. We will take into account any food left on the plates over an ounce. Liquids will not count in the scoring. The losing side is to pay for the food. In case of a tie, the contestants will eat it off immediately in ham and eggs. We agreed that a coin will be tossed to see who gets to choose the first course. Harry, Broadway, your contestant ready? Yeah, just a minute, Uh...
10: Violet, how do you feel?
14: Fine, fine. I warmed up on sauerkraut and spare you, ribs. You
13: eat before you get here? I was hungry. Nicely. Why do you let her do it? I feel sorry for her when she tells me she's hungry. Oh, no.
14: Well, gentlemen. Well, we are ready. Then call the to toss. Hey. To heads. tails. Mr. Duffel, named the first course. Two quarts
10: of olives, two bunches of celery, and a pint of walnuts.
14: Agreed. Miss Yes. Name the second course.
10: Twelve dozen cherry stone clams. Mr. Duffel? Two gallons of Philadelphia pepper pot soup. Two five-pound striped bass. A 20-pound roast turkey.
14: I will repeat the order so there will be no argument later. First course, two quarts of olives, two bunches of celery, and a pint of walnuts. Second course, twelve dozen cherry stone clams. Third course, two gallons.
9: Well, that goes on until a dessert is decided on. Miss Violet Schumberger calls it, and it is a pumpkin pie two feet across and no less than three inches deep. The contest starts at 8.30 p.m. sharp, and for a while there is no sound except eat. Then little Mitzi whispers to me as follows.
11: Broadway, she is not keeping up with this Joe Duffel. Well, yeah, Mitzi, it is not speed that counts. Yeah, that is right. I do not like the way this is going. I wish Nicely Nicely is in there. Yeah,
9: wait a minute. She's beginning to catch up a little. Yeah, yeah, she is. No, 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 she is not. Joe Duffel is
14: slowing down a little. All right, bring the turkey and split it in half.
9: Now we will see the real eating start.
5: Just a minute, just a minute.
10: What is the matter with her? Violet, what is the matter?
13: I, I forgot something. Huh? Violet, why do you stop eating? You've got half a turkey. Give up, Miss Schumburger. Give up?
10: <laughs> I haven't started. I just wanted to ask, where's the stuffing for the
13: turkey? <laughs>
9: Where is the stuffing, she asks. Joe Duffel looks a little startled at this. But they keep eating on even times until the waiter brings the pumpkin pie.
14: And the scene
9: is as follows.
14: Last course dessert. Each contestant will eat half this pumpkin pie. Ready, Mr. Duffel? Ready. Ready, Miss Schumberger? Aye. Uh, yes. Oh, uh, uh, wait a minute. Hey, she's
10: asking advice of her coach. That's not allowed. What do you mean? That's a foul.
14: Now, wait, wait, everyone. I'll have to consult with my colleague. Hold everything.
11: Broadway, you better start running. You too, Harry. No,
14: no, wait a minute, Mitzi. We. Attention, please. My colleague and I have decided that no actual foul in the eating has been committed. However, if Miss Schumberger did ask advice, then there is a foul. Uh, Mr. Jones,
13: will you tell us what Miss Schumberger whispered to you? Why, sure. All she asks is when she finishes, can she have another piece of pie? Uh, but, uh,
10: gentlemen, I'm licked. I can't eat another bite.
9: Hey, He's,
13: quitting. he's
10: quitting. It's useless for me to go on against this, this uh girl
14: who asks for more pie even before she starts on the piece before. Her. I'm almost dying as it is, and I don't want to destroy myself in a useless effort. Gentlemen, he's not.
8: Equip- Equip- Three <laughs> e- cheers
13: for Miss Violet Schomburger. Hip, hip, hooray!
8: Hip, hip, hooray!
11: Hip, hip, hooray! Broadway, Harry, you are geniuses.
10: Hey,
9: look, Joe Duffel passes out under the table.
14: Nicely,
11: nicely. Look,
10: nicely also passes out. All right, all right.
11: Everybody out. Come on, clear the premises. We will take care of things. Come on, outside. Poor nicely.
10: Poor nicely. Is he dead? No, no, he just looks like he has fainted. I owe everything to him, everything. Huh? You mean we owe everything to you? Oh, no, no. What I really whispered to him was... was that I was a goner. That Mr. Duffel is... a...
9: Well, the doctors at the receiving hospital are greatly puzzled later to receive from the same address at the same time one patient who is suffering from undernourishment and another one who is unconscious from overeating. Now, that is not the end of my story. Not by a long shot. And what really is, I will tell you in a minute. Well, the payoff comes some days later, when I am sitting in Mindy's. I look up, and who is standing by my table but Miss Hilda Slocum? Naturally, I am very curious as to why she is in an eating place. I ask her to sit down, and she says...
12: What's that you're eating, Mr. Broadway?
9: This, uh, chicken fricassee with dumplings. Hot biscuits and honey. Why?
12: Is it good?
9: Wonderful. But, uh, why do you ask? Oh, I just wondered. By the way, how is Nicely Nicely coming along?
12: I don't know. He's out of the hospital, but I haven't seen him. Or Miss Violet Schumberger. What? They... They eloped together. They sent me a postcard. You mean Nicely, Nicely, and Miss Violet Schumberger? They are married? Yes, they're in Florida. They opened a barbecue stand, and the chances are they, they're they eating like seven mules. How
9: do you like that?
12: I don't. Men. They're all alike. A woman does something to help them, to please them, and they...
9: Yeah, they I, I see. I, I am sorry, Miss Slocum.
12: My editor, I... He... Oh?
9: Well, what about him?
12: He said he'd take me dancing if was anything to take hold of.
9: I see. And you like to dance?
12: Very much. That chicken and dumplings, they're really good. Oh, very good.
9: But, of course, not for people who are on a
12: diet. I want some. Uh-huh. Well, what are you staring at me for?
9: Oh, nothing.
12: I am just thinking,
9: you must be very fond of dancing. Waiter, another order of this, and make it snappy.
7: And so ends the famous Damon Runyon story, A Piece of Pie. Listen in again next week for. The Damon Runyon Theater. The Damon Runyon Theater with John Brown as Broadway is directed by Richard Sandville and the stories adapted for radio by Russell Hughes. Bern Carstensen is in charge of production. This is a Mayfair production.
0: That's the Relic Radio Show for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. You can find more from Have Gun, Will Travel, the Damon Runyon Theater, and thousands of other old-time radio episodes at the website relicradio.com. You'll also find all the other podcasts there and our Shoutcast stream streaming even more old-time radio. If you'd like to help support this podcast, all the podcasts, the Shoutcast stream, everything Relic Radio, is dependent on your support. Visit donate.relicradio.com or click on the link on the website. Any amount is always appreciated. Thanks to those who have helped out and thanks for joining me this Tuesday. I'll be back next week with another hour of the Relic Radio Show.